Well, and it again is indeed a joy to, to be with y'all. Um, y'all are hopefully are getting used to me. Uh, so if you're tired of me, I won't be back for a little while. So, <laughs> um, but just to, before we turn to God's word, uh, I just want to encourage you that it has been really a joy to be able to worship with you these last two uh, Lord's Day evenings. Uh, and just to, again, to encourage you, do not give up on this beautiful time of worship in the evening. Um, it encourages my heart to know that there's a congregation here that is still committed to morning and evening worship. So continue to have that impulse. It's something uh, very unique about a congregation that is still setting apart the Lord's Day. So know uh, that I'm encouraged by your faithfulness and you should be encouraged um, as well. Uh, with that being said, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2, looking at verses 14 to 23. Ruth chapter 2, looking at verses 14 to 23. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's, God's word. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. And then she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. This is God's word, and he has written it to us. For our good. You may be seated. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for another opportunity to hear your word read and preached. We don't take for granted that we are able to hear your word, but we ask that you would, by the power of your spirit, be in, at work in our hearts as we hear together what you have to say to us in the gospel of your son. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. One of the central themes that is woven through the tapestry of the book of Ruth is this theme of kindness. If you were looking for a one-word summary of this book, kindness would be a fitting word. Throughout this book, acts of kindness 
are always on display. We see this in Ruth's kindness to Naomi when she decides to leave Moab and follow her mother-in-law and heading home to Bethlehem. In chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, we see Boaz's kindness to Ruth as he comforts her and takes notice of her. And this evening, as we look at our text before us, we see Boaz's extraordinary and lavish kindness to Ruth again on display. But what I want you to see is that while Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi are givers and receivers of each other's kindness, what is most astounding is that what is supremely on display is that God's kindness is the very central theme in the book of Ruth. That is to say that as we step into the story of Ruth, we are going to see something of how God has not only been kind to Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, but how he has been kind to us. You see, while God never speaks in this book, and while there is never any direct dialogue towards him at all, God's kindness is very much the soundtrack of this story. It's always playing calmly and quietly in the background, and sometimes it can be hard to make out what's going on, but it is always there. And when we think of God's kindness, it's important to understand and grasp that when we speak of God's kindness, it's always more deeper and much more substantial than how we normally think of kindness. When you and I think of kindness, we typically think of people who are perhaps polite or nice, or they go out of their way to, to serve us, and that's a, a, a good definition, but it misses the Bible's definition of kindness. Particularly, the Old Testament paints a beautiful picture, one that, again, has a bit more substance to it. The word that is translated as kindness that is found throughout the book of Ruth is one of the most important words in the Hebrew Bible. It is the word hesed. And I don't say that to show off Hebrew. It, I, I say that because I think it's one of those words that every single Christian should know. This is a word that is often translated as loving kindness or, or steadfast love. It's a word that speaks of loyalty and devotion and fidelity and grace and mercy. And all of it flows out of a covenantal relationship between God and his people. The scriptures presents God's kindness or his hesed as a love that is loyal and never ending. It's a love that is unfailing. In Exodus chapter 34 God reveals himself to Moses as one who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in hesed. It is to say that God has this character of love and devotion to his people. This is what we mean when we speak of the kindness of God. Friends, how would you describe God's dealings with you? How has he related to us, his people, Biblically speaking, the answer to that question is that God has been kind to us. Indeed, our salvation is an outworking of the kindness of God. And in our text this evening, I want us to see the kindness of God on display in the lives of Ruth and Naomi. And as we see God's kindness towards them, we are going to see something of his kindness towards us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want us to look at our text under two headings this evening. I want us to see God's kindness to Ruth, and then I want us to see God's kindness to Naomi. 
God's kindness to Ruth, and then God's kindness to Naomi. First, the kindness of God towards Ruth. In verses 14 to 16, we see that God's kindness is manifested towards Ruth through Boaz. And at the beginning of this scripture, it's important to to see that God's kindness to us is often through his people. Even in the short time I've gotten to know you, I have been the recipient of your kindness. And I'm sure that you have experienced the kindness of God through one another. And isn't this a wonderful thought? That as we extend kindness, we are channeling, in some sense, the kindness of God to one another. In verse 13, Ruth states that Boaz had spoken kindly to her. Take a look at verse 13. Ruth says, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. So we see that Boaz speaks kindly to Ruth. But now in verses 14 to 16, we see that Boaz goes even further and he doesn't just speak kindly to Ruth, but he demonstrates his kindness through actions. This is seen in the hospitality that he extends to Ruth. Take a look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, in at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. After a few hours after work, or a few hours of work, Boaz and his servants begin to take a lunch break. They're sitting together, perhaps in the, the break room, and likely they're engaging in small talk about the events of the day, And Boaz, to the surprise of his workers, looks towards Ruth, this Moabite, this outsider, this woman, and he tells her to come and draw near. You see, Ruth, according to the customs of the day, would keep her distance from the workers. She would be sitting at a separate table, if you will, likely due to her situation, sitting there, perhaps without any food. And of course, Boaz is having none of this, and he tells her, come here, sit with us, and eat with us. You can picture Boaz and your your sanctified imagination sliding over and allowing Ruth to have a place at the table. Ruth listens to Boaz, and she comes over, and she, she sits next to them. She sits right next to the workers, and as she is sitting down, Boaz passes to her some bread. Don't miss this. Boaz serves her himself. Boaz could have gotten one of his servants to serve her, but instead of depending on his servants, Boaz hands her the bread. This is significant because in this very act, Boaz is treating her as if she is a member of his own household. You see, Boaz's kindness isn't selective or partial. His hospitality is extended to someone who could have very easily been ignored. In the ancient Near East, to share a meal with someone would be to share your very life with that person. It was an act of welcome. You see, Boaz isn't concerned about any of the ethnic or social barriers that stood between them. The narrative of of chapter 2, if you read of all of chapter 2, it highlights the fact that Ruth is a Moabite, and because of this, she is viewed as one who is unclean and cut off from the family of God. 
If you were to flip in your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3, you would see that as a Moabite, she was excluded from the worship of Israel. What we see here is that Boaz is willing to dismiss all of those barriers and essentially says, you are welcomed at my table. You see, this widow, this Moabite, this outsider, who would have been despised by most Israelites, has been welcomed to this faithful Israelite's table. You see, Boaz doesn't just give her crumbs. He doesn't just toss her some of the leftovers that he and his workers do not want to eat. No, he piles more and more and more food on her plate until she is satisfied. He gives her so much food that she even has some that she can take home to her mother-in-law. Boaz is not worried about portion control here. He wants to make sure that she eats and eats until she is satisfied. Once you get to know me, you'll know that I love to talk about my grandmother. Uh, My grandmother died a, a few years ago, but my grandmother was one of those unique women. She was one of those grandmothers who was full of grace and wrath. Uh, She was one of those who could pray down heaven and at the same time chew you out and fix your attitude very quickly. I personally believe that our society would be so much better if we had more grandmothers like my grandmother. But one of the ways that my grandmother would love people is that if you came to her house, she would often pour out more and more and more food upon your plate. No matter if you came in just to pop in for five minutes or you were coming over for dinner, she would load your plate with so much food and you wouldn't dare disrespect her and say that you are not hungry. And what we see in our text today is that is exactly what Boaz is doing for Ruth. He doesn't just want her to eat a little. He wants her to get full. He wants her, again, to eat until she is completely satisfied. This might be a hard concept for many of us to understand, but for Ruth, a poor foreign widow in ancient Israel, this would be extraordinary. It would be overwhelming. It would be staggering. She who has nothing has now been given a feast. You see, Ruth, as an outsider, as this person who is cut off from Israel, has been called to draw near, and she has found a seat at the table. And we see that this is a picture of glory, of grace, of kindness. In just a few moments, we'll also see that is a picture of redemption. You see that Boaz doesn't just stop in the the workroom at the table. Boaz's hospitality extends all the way to the field. In in, uh, verses 15 to, to 16, we see that Boaz gives instructions to his workers concerning Ruth. As Ruth gets up to the table and goes back to work, he instructs his workers to allow her to glean from even among the sheaves. Boaz tells them to let her not just glean from the edges of the field, but allow her to come where the center of all the action is taking place. You see, Boaz invites her or tells his workers to make sure that she can glean from the places where everyone else would have likely been excluded. That this grain at the, at the place where she is invited to would have been top-notch grain. No one else would be able to have it. But Boaz tells Ruth or tells the workers that she is allowed to glean from even there. 
He goes even further and tells his workers to set out bundles for her to glean. You see, Boaz is ensuring that Ruth has an overabundance amount of grain. He wants her to be well taken care of her taken care of. Just as he fed her at the table, he wants to ensure that she has food when she is going home. See, Boaz is pouring out more and more kindness. His kindness is overflowing towards Ruth. He also gives two prohibitions to his servants. He tells them not to reproach her in verse 15 and then not to rebuke her in verse 16. Boaz wants his workers to be ensured that they treat her with the utmost respect. She again is to be treated as a member of his own household. Verse 17 tells us that Ruth works until evening and ends up with an ephah of barley. This would be about 30 pounds worth of grain. For comparison, it has been understood that most men would only be able to glean one or two pounds a day, but Ruth, due to Boaz's kindness, has gleaned about half a month's worth of food for her and Naomi in one single day. You see, Ruth, who came to this field with nothing, who came needing mercy and grace, is now leaving, staggering home with abundance. She has been given far more than what she had expected or even asked for. She is a recipient of Boaz's kindness. You can imagine Ruth beginning to walk home and just being staggered of how the Lord has provided for her. That he has given her more than she could have imagined or thought. That he is not only one who has provided for Israel, but he's also one who has provided for her and Moabites. See, Ruth indeed is being fed and welcomed and cared for by Boaz, but we can't miss in a far greater way that she is being fed, cared for, and welcomed by the God of Boaz. That she has been brought under the wings of the God of Israel and has taken refuge in him, and he in turn is pouring out more and more grace upon her. His kindness has been lavished upon Ruth. See, the one who came to this field empty is now leaving full. The one who was an outsider has drawn near and experienced the very kindness of God. And beloved, isn't this a wonderful picture of the gospel? The same God who through Boaz extends hospitality towards Ruth and lavished his kindness upon her has done so more wonderfully and fully for you in the gospel of his son. The same God who has welcomed and made provision for Ruth has made provision for you in Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says about this in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul tells us to remember that we at one time were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, we who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Brothers and sisters, God has extended hospitality towards you and welcomed you in the Lord Jesus Christ. We who came to God with nothing have received an overabundant amount of grace. There is not a single person who has come to Christ empty and has been turned away empty. God's kindness in Christ is more than enough to meet each and every single need that you and I have. And in light of this, 
In light of God's welcome of us in Christ, he has called us to extend this welcome, this kindness to others. You see, Boaz's example is both compelling and convicting. You see, most Israelites would have ignored Ruth. They, would have maybe, they maybe would have met the demands of the law, but they definitely would not have gone above and beyond to extend an abundant amount of grace towards her. But this is not the case with Boaz. You see, Boaz's posture towards Ruth was one of mercy, grace, hospitality, and kindness. And friends, this presents to us perhaps a piercing question. Do you and I welcome outsiders, those whom we don't naturally think fit into our fellowship in the same way that Boaz does for Ruth in our text? Again, it is doubtful that many rich men in Bethlehem would have even noticed who Ruth was. Her suffering and her unique circumstances would have gone completely unnoticed. And beloved, if we are not careful, we can also do the same thing. We can miss the unique opportunities to extend kindness to those who are in our families, in our pews, and in our communities. Friends, has the kindness and hospitality of God caused you to be kind and hospitable to others? The kindness of God in Christ is meant to produce kindness in us. Those who are a people of God's hesed are to be a people of hesed. See, Boaz's example of kindness is both a fitting example for us as individuals and together for you as a church family. That's God's kindness towards Ruth, but we also see something of God's kindness to Naomi as well. That's our second point, God's kindness to Naomi. In verse 18, we see that Ruth returns to the city and she is greeted by her mother-in-law, Naomi. As you can imagine, there is a lot that Naomi and Ruth need to talk about. As Ruth walks up, Naomi sees all of the the grain that, that Ruth has gleaned. And as she is noticing this, Ruth hands her some of the leftover food that Boaz gave her. And of course, Naomi is rightly shocked. She knows that this isn't normal. She knows that this wasn't meant to to happen. Something extraordinary has happened. This causes Naomi in verse 19 to question where Ruth has gleaned and where she has worked. And Naomi, again, is amazed at the amount of food that Ruth has acquired, and she wants to know where she got it from. It's as if Ruth is telling, or it's as if Naomi's telling Ruth, there is no way you got all of this food from Aldi. Naomi wants to understand where this blessing and this display of kindness has come from. And I want you to notice what this does in the heart of Naomi. Take a look at Naomi's response in verse 20. She says about Boaz, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. You see, as Naomi is standing before this wonderful mound of food, as she, in a, in a very real sense, is experiencing the kindness of God, as she is shocked and overwhelmed by this provision, her heart begins to change. It begins to, to soften. If you read the whole book of Ruth, and if you pay close attention to Naomi's story up to this point, then you know that she has been completely bitter 
towards the Lord. In chapter 1, verse 13, she says that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. In chapter 2, verse 20, she tells the people upon her return to Bethlehem to no longer call her Naomi, but to call her Mara for, quote, for the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. She later says the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought this calamity upon me. You see, Naomi is bitter at the Lord because she feels that the Lord has dealt bitterly with her. But now something is beginning to change in her. She's beginning to see that God indeed has not dealt bitterly towards her, but he has indeed been kind to her. He has been faithful to her. She exclaims to Ruth in her blessing to Boaz that the Lord's kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Notice that Ruth uses the covenant name of God. She is speaking not of a general God's kindness. She is speaking of Yahweh's kindness. If you have your Bible and you look at that text, then you'll notice that the, the name Lord is capitalized. This is the name that God gave Moses at the, the burning bush. It's God's personal name, if you will. This name teaches us that God is present and, and, and personal and faithful and that he is one who has established a never-ending covenant with his people. And Naomi says that this covenant-keeping God's kindness has not forsake both the living or the dead. What does it mean that God's kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead? You see, Naomi in this instance is speaking about her family. She is saying that the kindness of this covenant-keeping God has not forsaken Ruth and Naomi, who are the living, and it did not forsake her husband and her sons, who are the dead. Simply put, Naomi is acknowledging God's faithfulness to her family. You take a look at the end of verse 20, you'll see that God's kindness towards Naomi and her family is being demonstrated in a very specific way. Naomi tells Ruth that Boaz is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. You can hear hope springing from the mouth of Naomi. And this brings us to a turning point in the book of Ruth. Boaz is what we would call a kinsman redeemer. Because he is a relative of Naomi, uh, Naomi, because he is kin to Naomi, Boaz is able to redeem them. In the Old Testament, a kinsman redeemer was obligated to buy back his relatives if they fell into debt and had to sell themselves into slavery. Under certain circumstances, the kinsman redeemer would have the obligation to marry the widow and to raise up a child for the brother who died without having a child. And in other words, this kinsman redeemer would be a substitute for the dead husband, preserve the family line, and preserve the family land. And the rest of the book of Ruth is an unfolding of just how Boaz will become the the redeemer of Ruth and Naomi. But here in this moment, they don't really know what's going to happen, but Naomi is still hopeful. She sees that God is seemingly raising up a redeemer who will restore him. She tells Ruth to keep cleaning, to keep doing what you're doing, and we'll see where this goes. You see, in, this, in Naomi's response to Ruth, 
Naomi is being made aware of the fact that even in her family's rebellion and unfaithfulness when they left the land, God was still being faithful to them. Naomi is realizing and being awakened to the reality that God has not dealt bitterly with her, but instead he has shown unbelievable kindness to her and her family. That God has not been against her, but this whole time God has been for her. That what she perceived as God's judgment is starting to melt away as she comes into contact with his grace. Beloved, I'm not your pastor, and I'm not even a a member at this church, and because of that, I don't really know all of the stories or situations of the people in this room, but in a room this size, I know that there are some of you, even right now in this very moment, who are bitter with the Lord. You, like Naomi, are angry at God and are blaming him for making your life bitter and empty. Life has not gone the way that you thought it would go. The cards that you have been dealt feel quite unfair. And I get that, but believe me, believe me, I do. But you, like Naomi, need to be awakened to the reality that God has not dealt bitterly with you, but God has been incredibly kind to you. That he has not abandoned you this whole time. He has, in fact, been faithful to you. A hymn that has ministered to me over the past year has been the hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. Listen to these words because I think they help us make sense of Naomi's story and also our own story. The hymn says, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take the clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind his frowning providence, he hides his smiling face. His his purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. Friend, God is not against Naomi and God is not against you. He is pursuing you in the same way that he has pursued Naomi. That when Naomi shook her fist at Almighty God, he did not respond in wrath, but he responded in kindness. That when Naomi and her family were faithless, God remained faithful to them. That when Naomi wandered off in distant lands, God pursued her and brought her back to the land of promise. In a very real sense, Naomi is the Old Testament version of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. She has squandered her inheritance. She has left the safety of the promised land. She has forsaken her covenant-keeping God, and yet in his kindness, he has pursued her. He is slowly reawakening her and bringing her back to her senses. And in this pursual, in this quiet, and patient and consistent chasing of Naomi, Naomi's cold, angry, and bitter heart that has been marked by unbelief is being thawed 
by the kindness of God. Isn't this what Paul says in Romans chapter 2, verse 14? That it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. You even get this note of repentance in Naomi's urging of Ruth to listen to Boaz's counsel and to stay and glean in his fields rather than going into the fields of others in case she would receive any harm. So in verses 22 to 23, uh, Ruth or Naomi tells Ruth, stay where you're at, keep doing what you are doing. And for us, this seems like an obvious point. Why would I go anywhere else? But, if, but it comes across in Naomi as a sign of repentance. At this point, Naomi and her husband Elimelech in the past were foolish and left the land God gave to his people and sought to find provision in someone else's field. And instead of staying in that land that God promised to his people, they left to the fields of Moab. But Ruth is exhorting, Naomi is resorting, exhorting Ruth to not do what I did. To stay in the place where God's kindness and, and blessing are present. Don't wander off like me. See, Naomi is a standing witness to the reality that God pursues his faithless and backsliding people. And friend, I don't care how far off you have wandered. I don't, play, I don't care where the fields you have made your home. The God of Ruth, the God of Naomi, is able to restore even the worst of sinners. God is able to bring those who have fallen way back and bring them back home. Chapter 2 ends with the statement that Ruth continues to glean that she lives with her mother-in-law. And as the curtain comes down on our text, we're left wondering if Boaz will indeed be the redeemer of Naomi and Ruth. And of course, God is going to extend his kindness to Ruth and Naomi by providing a redeemer in Boaz. But beloved, God has also raised up a redeemer for us, that he has provided us the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Lord Jesus Christ as our redeemer has paid for all of our sins, that he has taken the wrath of God upon himself and has been raised on the third day to secure our rights with God. You see, God in Christ has ensured that backsliders and sinners and those who are bitter have been brought back into the family of God. We're not taking the Lord's Supper tonight, and I believe that you took it this morning. But all the things that we see happen in Ruth, between Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi is what we find picture in the Lord's Supper. It is at the Lord's Supper that the, the not, not the minister But it is Jesus Christ himself who says, like Boaz, to strangers, to foreigners, to those who are bitter with God, to come and slide their weak knees under his table. So the next time you partake in the Lord's Supper, know that you are being invited to eat and drink of all of the blessings that the Lord has provided for you. Beloved, the Lord has indeed been kind to us. Let me pray for us. Father, you have been kind to us. You have welcomed us. You have been hospitable to us. We who were once empty have now been filled by your spirit. We ask that you would take your word and implant it in our hearts so that we might not leave here as merely hearers or spectators of your word, but we may leave here as those who have been changed by your word. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.